This is Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary roughness. Unnecessary roughness. I think this, that somewhere within the first five to ten plays of the game, the other team's quarterback must go down. And he must go down hard. It's unnecessary roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Big hole. First down. End zone. Touchdown. Touchdown, Raiders. Would you believe it? This is Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy, Q. Here we are kicking off hour number three of the show. It's not very often that we get three hours, but we got it today, so we're going to embrace it. Three hours long, three hours strong at the Underground Lounge here inside the Oyo Hotel and Casino. Got some folks rolling in here, ready for some Monday night football action. Got a lot of different uh, prizes to give out here on the table. Got T-shirts, got koozies, cups, some Mardi Gras beads, Raiders, of course, Raider style. Got a Hooters calendar. Danny's here. We got some UNLV tickets. We got all kind of hookup for you. All you need to do is come on by, see us, sit it on down, and get ready for this game, Rams and 49ers, Monday night football action. And, again, a lot of good drink specials and food specials as well to enjoy while you're here at the Underground Lounge. And uh, we got another hour to go. And Raider Nation, today is kind of one of those days. I've been treating it as a therapy day. Kind of letting you let it out, woo-saw. And then, you know, we'll start to turn the page as the Raiders have to turn the page and start turning their attention to the Cincinnati Bengals. So we'll have a lot of good coverage of who the Cincinnati Bengals are, what to expect as they uh, head to Allegiant Stadium. We'll do that throughout the course of the week. And, of course, we'll just continue to talk about the roster. We'll talk about who's in, who's out. And one guy that can help you do that is interim head coach Rich Basaccia. He met with the media earlier today. It was about 1 o'clock. And I want to say it was about a 10-minute session, but – it wasn't streamed, and usually it's streamed, and, and usually we're able to play it live on JT The Brick Show, but we weren't able to do that. So uh, a couple hours later, we're going to go ahead and get into it right now. So from the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center, a little earlier this afternoon, here's interim head coach Rich Basaccia. Uh, afternoon, everybody. Uh, I'll start off with just saying, obviously, after looking at the tape and talking to everybody over, over on the other side, our coaches and players are certainly disappointed in the execution and the way in which we played in the game. Um, offensively, we just never felt like – we could get ourselves into a rhythm in the first half. I think we had the five drives in the first half with seven plays or less, a little bit uncharacteristic of us. Um, and then defensively, just way too many missed tackles in space, which we've been um, trending up in that particular area. Communication-wise, what we were trying to do with some bracket coverage and having the ability to communicate with each other, uh, we had some stumbling blocks there. And then we had people behind us for the first time and certainly the last month um, making some explosive plays um, in that particular area for us on defense. Um, we're minus one in the turnovers, um, obviously the interception and the, the fumble um, there fourth quarter. And then we didn't play very well in the punt game. Um, we gave up the big return, although we did get the turnover and ended up getting touchdown out of it. The ball's at the 50-yard line. We just, um, we just didn't think we played very well, certainly in the return game. And then we gave up the big fake right there in the fourth quarter um, in the red zone, which put our defense or fringe red zone, put our defense back on the field. Uh, 12 explosive plays we gave up on defense, only had six on offense. I thought Brian Edwards showed up a little bit. Um, favorable coverages to him with three explosive plays. And then the, uh, the touchdown. Hunter, again, um, difficult to cover in the red zone with the touchdown. And then we had the other explosive to Deshaun and ended up turning that play over. So with that, I'll answer any questions you may have. Rich, um, two straight games where offensive execution and maybe some rhythm was difficult to find. Is there anything that you could put your finger on why that's happened? Yeah, I don't know. I think, you know, it, 
it's, I think they've, they're trying to do a lot. I think we're trying to maybe or we're trying to do too much. So we come off of a bye with a great week of practice, and, and now it's like, am I, I got to do this or I got to do that. Or, um, so I think that may have a little bit to do with it. Uh, we talked about playing free, knowing what to do, and then doing what you know. I felt like we, we really prepared well. I thought we believed in what we were doing in the game plan. And uh, I just felt like they were trying to press a little bit and, and uh, maybe miss some assignments that way, put themselves in maybe some poor body positions or uh, to try to do too much. So, But the, the effort wasn't an issue. I just think the execution of the plays in which we tried to run were, were a problem for us. In the, in the opener, like Darren Waller had like 19 targets since he's an opener. Is it possible you guys overcorrected that? Is it, what did you see last night as far as not being able to get him going last well, night? Well, I think, again, it's a little bit of what's you know, the attention he's attracted as well. Coverages they're trying to play and how they're trying to press him and getting some bracket coverages on him. I think in the last two weeks we've seen, because of what's going on with him, we've seen other players emerge a little bit and get their hands on the ball. You know, we talked about Brian and then um, what Hunter's been able to do. So we also have to look at that and see what position we can put him in to certainly get some targets back for him as well. Is there any correlation between, you know, losing the speed that you guys lost in, in rugs and what he brought to the table uh, as a his numbers, what he represented in terms of what the defenses did to defend you guys. Is there any kind of a correlation between what that loss and then what maybe you're seeing and how people are getting defended right now? Well, we've, we've really seen the same coverages that they've been playing um, before they played against us. We've seen those same coverages going into these last two games. So we felt like, again, adding a speed dimension to, to Sean, hopefully he's going to help us in the future. Uh, we got him to a point where we had the, the one big play to him there in the game, and, and uh, hopefully as time goes, we'll get him more and more involved in what we're trying to do. So everything's a correlation right now. Obviously, when you don't execute well, you're going to try to look at everything and see what you can do to put those guys in better situations. Was, uh, was there uh, injury updates coming out? There's a couple guys left. Just... Yeah. Um, at this point right now with uh, – Going into last week, Nick Kwiatkowski um, is still going to be day-to-day. He's questionable. Um, Keyshawn Nixon kind of re-injured the ankle a little bit, and we'll see how he goes day-to-day. And then Jalen Richard's day-to-day as well. And then we, we believe we lost Al Gingold at this particular point for the season with an ACL. When it comes to losing Alec, uh, you know, that fullback position, obviously it was the only fullback you had on the roster. We, I think we saw Foster in the row lineup, some at fullback in the game. Is, is that something that you figure you're going to do long term or maybe try to pull in a fullback from somewhere else? Well, we'll take a look at that. Foster's always been in the backup role going in there, so um, we just put it back in that position to get us through some of those things. We'll look at what we do for roster adjustments here as we get going. But it's, it's a big loss to us, certainly not only in offense, but what he did for us in the – in the kicking game, you know, when he went down, we had to make all kinds of adjustments, and I did a poor job with that on the punt team and gave up a little bit of a tip punt, put our defense in a bad field position to defend that as well. So um, it's a big loss, again, not only as a player, but who he is and, and what he brings to our team in a leadership role and just in the role that he plays as a man. Rich, this team has encountered so much off the field, but you also lost a lot of players, Henry and, and others, Alec now. I'm just curious, with Eight games remaining, there's still a lot of football to be played. What's your message? What, what do you say to your team? Yeah, we're just going to look at what we did wrong and work to fix at it. We're going to look at what we did correctly and build on that. And then really we're just, we, have, we have one game to play. We have to get ourselves ready to play Cincinnati Bengals here at home, and we'll just go from there. But as far as um, you know, our team, I think our team's been pretty resilient. Again, I don't think effort has been an issue. We have to do a better job of cleaning up certainly the penalties we've gone through now over the – last few weeks, and then um, our execution, being able to execute the play. Um, that's called both on offense and on defense. And then, again, we want to keep getting better at tackling, 
try to improve in everything we're doing every day. That's really our goal. Come out with a, some type of an improvement uh, mentality on everything that we're trying to do. Coach, you, you mentioned the penalties. Uh, how do you go about trying to clean up those pre-snap penalties? Yeah, I thought we had them cleaned up in practice. We've been pretty good in practice, and we've um, had consequences for when they weren't. So, but we got ourselves in critical situations. We had the fourth and one, which we've been pretty good on the last few weeks, and we get the penalty. Now we have to punt the ball. And I think the other one, you know, cost us a touchdown. We ended up getting a hold on one. We had another pre-snap one, um, that part of the game. So it, it just it was untimely, as people may say, but they're just really critical spots for us. And when we play a game going like that we were going into with Kansas City, we know they're an explosive team. We had to really play all well. We had to play well in all three phases. Don't think that we did that. You know, we gave up plays in all three phases that put us in bad situations. Um, so I, I think it's on all of us. We'll, we'll figure that out. And, and uh, but the penalties, we just have to do a better job. I know the Bengals are the focus uh, here, um, but it's it's one of those weird situations where you've got two games in ten days. days. How does that change what your preparations are for these next 10 days? Well, I think practice will change a little bit, you know, how in which we go about it, you know, pads or no pads or some of those things. But the reality of it is first game's first, and it's the Bengals coming here. Coach, you have a little bit of history with Zach Taylor. He was on practice squad with you with the Bucks. Uh, what do you think he does well in that spot as a head coach and what he provides? Yeah, well, you know, I, again, Zach always reminded me about I never really talked to him when he was a – on our team at the Bucks, but that's not really true. He's, he's done a tremendous job. They have a good roster. They play extremely physical. They're multidimensional on offense. We know about the quarterback and his progression, what's going on there. The special teams are really well coached. Darren's been there a long time. And, uh, you know, we're coming off some special teams woes and we're coming off some missed tackles. And so they'll try to take advantage or exploit what we haven't done well in the last few weeks. So we'll have to look at them and see if we can get our ducks in a row and do a much better job playing them here at home. When you talk about the execution from your side the last couple of weeks, is that it's it's you guys not doing what you did earlier in the season, or is the teams better kind of prepared for what you guys want to do, and now you have to kind of readjust back to that? I don't know if I really understand the question. So I, I guess you guys are you're doing you're doing what you want to do. I mean, you're just not executing your plays, is what you said. You're not executing what you want to do on the field. Is that is that teams that are you know, ready for that and then they're trying to, you know, they're stopping it better? Or is that you guys just not doing exactly Well, certainly, I guess, um, see if I can answer it, but maybe it's a combination. But, I mean, even you go back to last week in the Giant game, we have 400-something yards on offense, and we didn't play well enough that we think, you know, the plays we left behind in the red zone and, and some of the missed fires there. And then, you know, this week we just – we had players in position at times to make some plays. We had some – you know, un untimely turnovers, and then we gave up some some bigger drives with again poor communication, missed tackling, which we've been pretty, playing pretty well at, um, and space tackling. And I just think those are communication errors. Those aren't effort errors. Those aren't scheme errors. Those are us just doing poorly in particular situations. So, um, you know, to answer the questions. We had two wins in a row, you know, a few weeks ago, and now we got two losses in a row. So we've learned from the, the wins, and now we're trying to learn from the losses and, again, get ready to play the next game. Rich, any update on the guys that are on IR? Rich, Richie Incognito, Trayvon Mullen? Yeah, um, Richie, right at this particular point, had a little bit of a setback uh, in his calf, and we're going to kind of keep evaluating that. Um, we're getting something done today to kind of see where that's going to go. Trayvon Mullen, again, it's just kind of it's at, at his point, his level to some degree is what he can sustain without feeling pain. And he's moving towards the, the, the treadmill and then towards the pool treadmill and moving his way outside a little bit. I think Nick Morrow's kind of the one that's a little bit closest. He's pushing himself to being outside and running a little bit starting this week. So we'll see what happens again with those guys. It's a little bit slow-paced right now. 
You mentioned there were uh, consequences to the penalties in practice. What were those consequences? Yeah, we're, we're in repeat situations for plays. We end up moving the ball back. You know, we're calling out the guys that they're on. So, uh, again, there's always going to be consequences for bad actions, right? And then certainly it's no different for penalties. It's all good. All right. Okay. Thank you. There it is. Interim head coach Rich Basaccia met with the media a little earlier today. And uh, Paul Gutierrez from ESPN, you heard him ask the question about the, the IR guys, the Richie Incognitos, the Trayvon Mullins, the Nick Morrow. And I, I was, I was, I've said it multiple times going back to the beginning of the season, I don't think we'll see Richie Incognito at all this year. I just don't. And – you know, I know my guy, uh, Dr. Andy, he's saying, hey, <laughs> let me get a hold of uh, Richie and I'll, 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 I'll fix him up. I'll get him right. But uh, obviously that has not happened yet. And uh, Richie Incognito has been uh, in no action at all this season. And that's the chance that the team takes when, you know, they go ahead and, and bring a guy uh, back and, and invest and commit to a guy that's, you know, 38 coming off an Achilles injury. And now he's got a calf injury, which they're all, you know, closely related. So. Uh, that's that's unfortunate for him because I know he was excited and wanted to get out there on the field. At least that's what it seemed like and looked like when we were at training camp, but it just never happened. Trayvon Mullen, I still think that's a big loss. Uh, Brandon Faison's done a good job, but uh, even moments he uh, he had on, on Sunday weren't his best. So I, I think that uh, the Raiders are missing Mullen out there. Uh, Morrow, if he were to come back, would I think would be a nice addition as well just as far as having another body in that linebacking core. But I do think it's a lot better than it was when he went out you know, then it was like, oh, man, that linebacking core is going to get totally exposed. But the Raiders did a good job of going out there, filling that void, getting K.J. right, getting Denzel Perriman. And Perriman's been really good this year. He really has. Now, he's been a little suspect in coverage at times, but uh, his, his leadership, like Ted pointed out earlier in the show, and, uh, and what he's been able to do uh, in, in, you know, out there stuffing the run and just getting everybody lined up, I think has been really good. So Denzel Perriman's been a nice addition to this Raiders defense. But – uh, there you go. You heard from uh, Rich Basaccia, and uh, they're going to continue to to work one game at a time. As the, that's all they could do. We could talk about the big picture because that's what we do. But you hear him talking about just the the one game at a time, and the next approach, the next game is the Cincinnati Bengals, and that's all that they could really do. Uh, got a text here on the Salmon Ash text line at six nine one eight seven keyword R and R from Fargo Raider Q and Demon. Uh, I'll say this about ifs. I say one of my coaches always told me missed opportunities are points against. We cannot afford to let teams off the hook. We have to capitalize on every opportunity the guys were in position and miss, plain and simple. Just win, baby. That's from Fargo Raider. And the one thing I'll say is A.J. Cole came up with a big play, caused okay, caused the, uh, caused the nice fumble, and the Raiders from the 50-yard line just got it into the end zone. They punched it into the end zone. So that was big. They created a turnover, and they capitalized on the turnover. Problem is, you know, they were down there. They were pushing the, the goal line when Deshaun Jackson fumbled. And I was just looking before we started talking about Rich Passaccia or talking about that uh, – his media session, I was watching, uh, uh, just looking at a, a, a still photo of him catching the ball and how he had a step or two on the, any defender and for some reason just got a little discombobulated and, and, and went to the, the right and left and went a little sideways. Instead of doing that, it should have gone, well, just in a straight line and probably would have had an opportunity to score. But uh, that's a play that I know Deshaun would love to have back, uh, and I, I think ultimately he was just trying to find a way to the end zone and thought that uh, somebody was going to get him. Uh, I don't know if he was trying to be too cute about it and not just focus in on what he needed to do, which was get to the end zone, but uh, ultimately that's what happened. So thank you so much for that text, Fargo Raider. I do appreciate you. That was a big momentum move uh, when that, that, uh, that fumble happened and the Chiefs got the ball back when the Raiders looked like they were having an opportunity to score. Uh, let's go out to the 408 and talk to our buddy Tim. Tim in San Jose, what's on your mind, my man? 
Hey, Q, how you doing? Good, man, good, blessed. Hey, man, you know, fans always ask, you know, why does Derek Carr never get the praise he deserves? Why is it that he's never talked about with the other good quarterbacks in the league? Even then, he, even though, you know, he's putting up the numbers or whatnot. And really, the answer is this, because when it comes time to November, December time, we just see, to me, a mediocre quarterback. Um, if he wants the love, if he wants the people to start having faith, this is the time to prove people wrong. And I just feel like I you keep believing in this guy. And, and Derek Carr's a good quarterback, no doubt in my mind. I don't know what it is after the bye. It happens every year. It just you start seeing picks. You start seeing inconsistencies. Um, but the last thing I want to bring up, man, is Darren Waller. Like, before the rug situation, Darren Waller wasn't really a factor. Now after, what is happening with him? I, I mean, Travis Kelsey finds ways to get open. Good, good players find a way to get open. And, and I'm not going to put that on Carr because the last two years, him and Carr had chemistry. So I'm putting this on Darren Waller. You know what I mean? Like, I, the last three, two and a half years. So people blaming Carr for Darren Waller not getting open. But what, what has changed in two and a half years where all of a sudden he's hasn't really been a huge factor like he's been. So I'll keep it I'll, I'll keep it short, man. So thank you for all you do, Q, and I enjoy listening. Have a good thank one. Thank you. Appreciate you. Thank you for the call, man. We do appreciate it. And, you know, as far as Waller goes, that's been a guy that I've been talking about. Would love to see him more involved. And I think that that just has to do with everybody. I don't think it's one particular guy. I know Darren Waller's running his routes. I know he's doing everything he can. Um, I just don't think that he's being force-fed the ball. And sometimes when you have a star, and Darren Waller is a star, you've got to force-feed him. You've got to allow a star to be a star, and I just don't think it's happening right now. Uh, as far as your other point, when it comes to after the after the buy, what changes? And I think JT alluded to this a little earlier in the show, and so I, I don't want to take 100% credit for this because I think, like I said, I heard JT mention it as well. You know, teams have film on you. You know, they get film on you. And you can look at the Raiders and see that they had early season success the last, what, three seasons now? And then all of a sudden, after the bye, they haven't had the same success. Teams start to say, okay, this is who this team is. And it might take a handful of games. The first four weeks of the season, I always say I treat them like the preseason. That's kind of like the preseason. Teams don't really know what to expect. I mentioned it about at the, after the Baltimore Ravens game. I said I was glad that the Raiders got the Ravens in week one. Because I think the Ravens in week 8, 9, 10 are going to be a different team. Now, look, they've taken a couple bad L's even later in the season. But I just I feel like you start to really start to see who these teams are in week 8, in week 9, in week 10, and on forward, and you can get a better gauge. You know, everyone was praising Greg Olson for the first couple weeks of his play calling after the Gruden situation happened. And then I remember asking, I think I might have asked John McClain or, or one of our other great guests that we have, how long is the play calling sustainable? Where it's like, we don't know what Greg Olson's going to call, what buttons he's going to push. Because I'll tell you right now, and I'm not trying to be critical of the coaching staff, this is something I've learned in my short career, is that they're out there, they're doing everything they can, and I don't just like to be the guy that just goes and hammers home on, on a coach and says all oh, this, that, and the other. But I don't think the play calling was that great last night. I really don't. I don't think it was that creative that everybody was talking about at first. And, oh, man, you're seeing this. You're seeing that play. Oh, man, Greg Olson's hitting all the right buttons. I saw, you know, something that seemed very similar to what I saw from John Gruden, which is what everybody complained about. I saw a run on first down, a run on second down, then all of a sudden third and long. 
Run on first down, run on second down, third and long. I saw Kenyon Drake run right into Melvin Ingram, and I mean, that was a bow, you know, just a big old blow up in the backfield. You know, I saw a check down to Josh Jacobs that I thought was going to go for a first down, and he was tackled by the ankles and went down. I saw a lot of stuff that looked similar to what we were seeing before the whole Gruden situation. So I feel like these defensive coordinators and teams in general figure you out. They get paid for a reason. They get paid to figure you out. I know one thing that I'm sure Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs heard all week long, and I said it myself. Gus Bradley's had a good, good, uh, good track record against Patrick Mahomes in his career. Why is it that Gus Bradley knows how to figure out Patrick Mahomes? So Andy Reid got into the lab and said, okay, okay, slick, you got us, okay, and then went back to the drawing board, and that's what you have to do. We always talk about what? Adjustments, changing things up, switching things up, doing things differently. That's what you saw the Chiefs on Sunday night really roll out a lot out of their playbook. They really did. They were very active, and they were very aggressive with different plays that they made, including going for it on fourth down. We're having the punter, Townsend, throw a first down, and he threw a laser. They saw the Raiders. They smelled blood in the water, and they said, we're, gonna go, we're going in for the kill, something that a lot of folks say the Raiders don't do enough when they're up is go for the kill. Well, the Kansas City Chiefs are going to go for the kill. And they did. They smelled the blood in the water, and they were like sharks and went and attacked and attacked and attacked. And then it was done. Simple as that. 424 is the time. Do I got time to get to one more call, Damon? All right, Eddie in L.A., you're our last caller before we take a break and get to Fave and K. Eddie, what's on your mind? What's up, Q? Yeah, my, my, my key to the game was we got out schemed, out coached, and out played, plain and simple. Olsen yep. wasn't able to get Foster once again involved in this pass attack. I don't understand why. With Waller not being able to actually formulate a way to get him open, don't understand why. The guy's got to step it up, and he's got to step it up big time. And then and for all the fans talking about, oh, that's it, the season's gone. Look, there's eight, there's still eight games to be played. we still got winnable games in our schedule. So let's, let's relax about what to do in the offseason until the offseason gets here, okay? Their car will be fine. We have to we have to make adjustments to our offensive game plan. What was the offensive game plan yesterday? Because I'm still trying to figure it out. We're trying to run the ball because clear is not working. I mean, at least try some sweeps. At least try some 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 fake handoffs and then get them out on a screen. But nothing. There was no ingenuity at all yesterday. We saw they reverted back to their old, you know, being being conservative. There was no urgency. That is on coaching 100. Not not only the players. Okay, so stop just trying to blame one player. Derek Carr didn't give up 41 points. That's all I'm going to say about that. All right. Good stuff. Good stuff. Appreciate the call. Definitely appreciate the call. No, you're right. I'm definitely not going to put – yes, see, see, absolutely. <laughs> I'm not going to put it on one, on one player uh, either because it was a total team effort. You know, it was 41 points were given up to the hands of the Kansas City Chiefs, so I'm not putting it on one player. Uh, and I don't think that anyone's really – putting it on one player, I think everyone's just kind of looking at it and saying, hey, man, there was a lot that, that really was left to be desired. A lot of struggle out there on the field from the silver and black, unfortunately. And, you know, again, I mentioned it. In times when you need guys to be superstars, you need guys to be superstars. You know, you really do. At a certain point, you know, you lean on your guys. Where they say it's not always about the X's and the O's, it's about the Jimmy's and the Joe's. At some time, you need your, your big Joe to be big Joe. You just need that. You need him to say, hey, guys, Get on my back. Derek Carr's done it multiple times this season. Get on my back. Let me lead you to the promised land. 
Sometimes you need a, a skill position player to say, hey, guys, give me the rock. I'm going to make it happen. You're going to go as I go. And so that's what I've been waiting to see from, from Waller, and it just hasn't happened. Not all on him. There's also, like I said, you know, sometimes it, it has to do with play, uh, play calling as well. So that's on Greg Olson. That's on the coaching staff to scheme things up and, and figure out what this team's doing really well and how to eliminate it and how to take advantage of what they are not doing very well. So uh, thank you so much for that call, Eddie. I do appreciate you. Got a bunch, bunch of text messages I'm going to get to before the show's over. But coming up next, our good friend from Fox 5 News in the morning, Faven K. She was at the game last night. She had a bet with her co-host uh, that she does the morning show with each and every morning, who's a big Kansas City Chiefs fan. He's been on the show before as well. We'll talk to her about how that all went down and what's the plan for the next game between Kansas City and the Raiders. We'll get all that from Favin next here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Give me your best. Hey, Raider Nation, this is Hall of Famer Marcus Allen, and you're listening to Raider Nation Radio 920. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Raider, hey, Raider Nation, this is Marcus Allen, and you're listening to Radio Station 920. Say Raider Nation Radio 920. Raider Nation Radio Station 920. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today. Here's your boy Q. Still got 30 minutes left in today's show as we're preparing for Monday Night Football here at the Oyo Hotel and Casino. Underground Lounge is the location. Folks are rolling in preparing for the Rams and the San Francisco 49ers. My man Jesse just rolled in uh, with his lovely wife and picked up a Hooters calendar. So, uh, yeah, they're doing it real big here. And I also got him hooked up with some UNLV and San Diego State tickets uh, to go to see the Chuck Wagon in person for the last time at home on Friday at Allegiant Stadium. So uh, that's just some of the prizes you can get hooked up with if you come by and see us. But you'll also get uh, your eardrums will get blessed with some great sports talk, including our next conversation that we're going to have with Faven K from Fox 5 News in the morning. Uh, we definitely appreciate any time that Faven joins the show. And uh, I was hoping to have you on the show to talk about the bet that you had with your co-host Dave in the morning. <laughs> and hopefully it was going to be on the good side of things where he had to do something outlandish because the Raiders won that game Sunday night football. But as we know, we were texting a little bit during the show, uh, the game. It didn't happen that way. So I want to know how your guys' bet went down and what you exactly had to do uh, since you lost that side of the bet. Oh, man, I'm devastated. <laughs> the second <laughs> year in a row. Right. Um, so uh, the bet was whoever won, the other, the person, the loser, had to sing the winner's fight song. So tomorrow morning I get to embarrass myself and sing the Chiefs fight song uh, live on the show. Oh, okay. Well, see, I'm glad that we have you on because I didn't realize. <laughs> I thought that you had to do it today, and I thought I just missed it this morning. So I have a chance to tune in, and everyone else has a chance to tune in tomorrow and actually see you do this. Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I hear you. Do we have a certain set time, or is it just going to happen whenever? Uh, about 6:45 ish. Okay. All right. 6:45. Yeah. I, I thought you guys might have done like an on-demand one, like we, me and Demon in the home studio. We had a, a push-up bet where it was on-demand push-ups. So oh. he, he lost. So it was like anytime I said, give me 10, no matter what we were doing, he had to go ahead and do it. And he still owes me about 15 push-ups. So oh, yeah. You didn't have to bring this up, man. <laughs> <laughs> so I encourage you. And are, do you guys do it just for the home games or do it for the away games as well? Yeah, anytime the Chiefs and the Raiders played. Uh, Dave used to um, anchor in Kansas City. So, you know, I, I get his love for the Chiefs. Um, 
and he he likes the Raiders too, but I hate the Chiefs, so right. it, it's much more painful for me than it is for him, for sure. I heard that, and it's understood. And we're, we're talking right now with Faven K from Fox Five News in the morning. Does a fantastic job. Her and Dave uh, do a great job each and every morning. And so, uh, six forty-five ish, we'll tune in. And I'm I'm not I'm not tuning in to try to laugh at you. I'm I'm actually there with you in support. <laughs> you know what I mean? So yes, yes, yeah. We, my my family wants to laugh at me, not laugh with me. So right. I, at least I have one ally in the world. Exactly, wow. exactly. And and I just wanted to get your thoughts on the game. I mean, I I know that the atmosphere. Well, I feel well. Actually, let me ask you about that too. What did you feel about the atmosphere? A lot of people have been talking about the opposing team fans that are at the stadium, and that's just something that's going to happen, especially early on with the Legion Stadium being new to fans. But what did you just think of the overall atmosphere for that Sunday night football game? I mean, I thought it was great. You know, it was. It started off great, and then I think as the game went on, and you know, Raider Nation could see where it was going. Uh, that's when the frustration started to kick in. Right. And it, you know, progressively became more and more painful to watch. Um, but as far as the opposing teams, I, you know, I've never had an issue with them, whether it's the Chiefs or any other team. They've all been pretty great, pretty friendly, um, and it doesn't really mess up the vibe in the stadium. So the more the merrier. We don't care. Right, and that's what I was thinking, and I've always said, like, we don't have a problem with people coming to the stadium and spending their money and, and enjoying the game, and hopefully they leave with a, a – they deposit a lot of money here in the Las Vegas area and go home with an L. Well, I mean, the, the, the reason the, – the Raiders are up to – they're the ones that got to get the victory. They've got to go find the way to, to send them home with the L, but that didn't happen last night. So what do you think, as you were watching that game last night, when do you think was the ultimate, like, turning point that really – went from, okay, this game is still in reach to, okay, this is a done deal? Uh, probably that Deshaun Jackson fumble. Mm-hmm. Or, or yeah, that was very hard to watch. I think we all had a little bit of hope up until that play, and then it was like, okay, uh, this isn't looking too good. And then it was just, it got progressively worse after that. Yeah. I, you know, I think most of us can accept the loss, but that was just hard to watch. It was. It was almost one of those, like, I mean, I even said, I don't even know what just happened. I don't even know how it happened or what direction he was going or what was going on in his mind. The only thing I could think, Faven, was he was just trying to get to the end zone any way he could and didn't really know what he was doing to get there. Yeah, that that sounds about right. I agree. (laughs) I agree. And, of course, like, we can't put it all on him, you know. I mean, he's not the only one on the team, but I think that was – that definitely messed up the momentum that we had built up until that point. So, you know, hopefully, I mean, they've got to get it together. Come on. Right. My my stomach hurts thinking about this coming Sunday. Um. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, they need to get it together. And I I have never said that a game is a must win when they're mathematically still in it, even if they lose. But this one for the team morale feels like it's almost like a must win. You know what I mean? Like, They've got to do it just for them. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, you know, we get it. They've been through a lot. It's been, you know, quite the season for the guys. But, you know, at some point, like, come on, let's rally. We didn't come this far to just lose it all. So uh, Mondays when, we, when, when the Raiders lose are definitely it's a lot harder to wake up. And a loss like last night was heartbreaking. Yeah, I was asking myself a lot of questions as I was driving home from uh, Allegiant Stadium last night. And, <laughs> and, and, and you, I, I really 
was. It was funny. I, I don't mind talking to myself in the car when I'm by myself because nobody could look at me and think I'm crazy. It's all good. <laughs> but I did want to ask you, and I think that this is something that you'll be able to relate to very well because you're on the news. You do you know, a fantastic job every morning, but you deal with real-life yeah. stuff. You know what I mean? Like You deal with real-life stuff things that are going on it's not i mean i deal with sports every day and usually sports is an escape but you actually you're you're in the trenches of things that could be awful that have nothing to do with sports and you see how it impacts people's lives so knowing what you know about real life stuff how do you feel that this stuff that they've had to deal with off the field has really impacted them just as humans not as football players but just as people oh um i mean it absolutely has to impact them um you know, I don't know how much more they could take. Uh, and as someone who's definitely, you know, endured things personally and still had to, you know, do my job, mm-hmm. I think, you know, people will have a little bit of sympathy for you. But at the end of the day, this is your job and you have to do it. So we all are definitely, I think, empathetic to what they've been through. And like last week, I, I, I let that loss go. I was like, you know what? I get it. I get it. I get it. But, um, at the end of the day, people don't care. <laughs> no, no, no one cares. They want you to win, um, right. whether it's in sports and whether it's what I do. Um, you kind of have to say they have to figure out a way to leap all that at the door and just do their job. But, you know, we don't know what happens behind the scenes. It's impacting maybe the team chemistry. Um, for me, it's like I, I don't have to really rely on anyone. Um, obviously, Dave, you know, my co-anchor and, right. and the great team that we have behind the scenes. But, um, I can't imagine my, my you know, other people having such an impact on how I do my job. And for them, it's not it's not a one-man job. It's a team effort. So if just one piece of that puzzle is missing or the vibe is off, clearly what we saw last night is likely going to happen again. Yeah, it, it just feels like, like you mentioned, something is off. And you're right. At some point, you know, and I mentioned earlier on the show, you've got to put your big boy pants on, your big girl pants on, or whatever it is, and, and just get it done, right? I mean, that's what is expected of all of us, and no matter what our, our field is and no matter what's going on, like you said, nobody cares, even though we still we feel for you. But, we, I mean, it's just like people don't care. They just want to see wins, and they want to see a lot of wins, and they want to see this team get to the playoffs. So, well, I, I, like I said, I wanted to get you on, just kind of get your thoughts, get your, your feelings on what you saw uh, from the game. And, and, you know, I've been trying to get you on the pregame show if you ever get an opportunity to get to the, the game, you know, and just kind of get the vibe before the game. Uh, you know, we have a good time out there on the Coors Light Landing. Okay. So uh, anytime that you're around, you're always welcome because, you, I, like I said, I think you do a fantastic job, you and Dave, even though he's a Chiefs guy. You know, I'm not, know. I'm not hating on him that much. <laughs> but, no, he's Man, a good dude. He, thankfully, he was kind about it. He, You know, he didn't rub it in. He, he knows how much this hurts. So, yeah. Well, we're going to have to come up with something. This is what we're going to do as a radio station because we got your back. We're going to have to come up with something for the next game, and that's coming up in a few yes. weeks. We'll come up with something as well so we can join you so you're not out there on a limb by yourself. We're going to have your back. Please do. <laughs> Please do. <laughs> and I told that when we had Dave on the show, I told him that, okay, we're going we're gonna to do something. You know, We'll cross-promote with you guys and him as well. So we'll come up with something. I'll get my thinking cap on. I'll get, you, get back to you on it, and uh, we'll make something work for the next approach. But good luck to, uh, to you tomorrow morning in your adventure singing the Chiefs fight song. Thank you. Always a pleasure. You're doing a great job. Definitely a great addition uh, to the Silver and Black family. So keep it up. We love you.
Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate you, Faven. Great job as always. There's Faven K right there, Fox 5 News in the morning. She'll be singing the Chiefs fight song about 6.45-ish. So set your, uh, set your clocks. I get up at about 5.30 every morning and turn on the news faithfully. That's, that is the job that the wife has instilled in me. She just says, hey, we got to get a little bit of news in every morning so you at least know what's going on. And I'll tell you, man, the, the news around here is, is, is very good. Uh, and I don't mean like good news, but I mean I'm just saying it's very informative. I know what's going on each and every day. And so uh, tune in, 6.45, Fox 5 News, to check out what she's got going on uh, in the morning. And I'm not laughing at her. I'm not, as Danny's laughing at me. I'm totally laughing with her because I know that that's a terrible feeling. Like DeMond has to do push-ups all the time whenever I tell him to. That's just a terrible feeling when you, when you know that you have to do something. Oh, you something. forgot about that, actually. No, I didn't forget about that. I just kept it in the back of my mind because at one of these times I'm going to get you embarrassed and you're going to be in front of somebody. You're going to be flexing like you were at the Rockstar on, on Saturday trying to sign autographs and showing people pictures of you flexing in, uh, at the gym or whatever. And, Danny, I'll tell you straight up, this dude was showing a picture of him flexing and the colors didn't even match. Like his head was dark and the body was light. So I'm still not we even believing. Break. This I'm is, still this not is, even believing hating. that you're that hating. was even him. Hating on live radio. Come on, Q. You I'm not hating. I'm telling you. I'm giving you an opportunity to say what happened. Your face was dark like me and your body was light like Danny. Everybody, know, everybody knows that the, the key to a great picture is lighting, that optimal lighting. The lighting was hitting just right at the gym that day. So I looked a little light skinned. I can't help it. Man. But the way the light was hitting me was looking like a Greek god. I, and, look, Q, I, and Q, Q is just so so in denial. He doesn't want to believe it. Nobody else wanted to believe it either. They saw they it. Did. Nobody else believed they it. Did. No, they didn't. They all thought that that was a Photoshop. A bad no, one at that. Nobody else said that. Everybody else thought that. There was not one person in that building that thought that that was a picture of you. Agree to disagree. I think, you know, Q. That looked like a black olive on top of a green olive. That's what that picture looked like. Like if two olives were stacked on top of each other and one was black and one was green, that's what your picture looked like. He was, he was looking. He was like, I can't, I can't believe it. He's like, no. Oh. I couldn't believe you had the audacity to show me a Photoshop picture like that. Man, people yo, people was just like, dang. That, yeah, I was like, yeah, that's me. That's me. Yo, that was like, I don't think any. And you know? know what's funny, Danny? The people that didn't believe it the most were a couple of ladies that I know he was no, trying to impress. Oh, no. I know he was trying to no, show off in front of the ladies they, like, hey, look at this picture. And they were like. That's not him. That's not him. And I'd have been embarrassed if I was you. Because, I mean, on, man. fellas don't have to believe you. Like, I don't have to believe you for nothing. You're not trying to impress me. But I know at the end of the day, you're trying to get the ladies to say, oh, man, you are strong. You got some big muscles. Instead, they were thinking, who is that? Come on, you still that? <laughs> 444 is the time. We'll come back. We'll wrap up the show here from the Oyo, the Underground Lounge. We're preparing for Monday Night Football. I got a lot of prizes I want to give out, so come holler at your boy. We'll make that happen. This is Raider Nation Radio 920. What does it mean to be a Raider? What to you, what does it mean to be a Raider? Man, being a Raider is not just being a football player. It's not about the, just the jersey or just the, just the helmet. It's about a lifestyle. It's about, it's about loyalty. It's about doing whatever you have to do to help your brothers, to help your family. That's what it's all about. It's never putting yourself above the shield. That's what being a Raider is all about. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy Q. Got about 12 minutes left in today's show as we're going to pass the sticks on to, well, Monday Night Football, baby. Rams, Niners. We're at the Oyo Hotel and Casino Underground Lounge. 
Come on by. I got a lot of things to hook up you with, uh, T-shirts, koozies, cups, tickets, whatever you need, I got for you. Just got to come on by, holler at me like my man Jesse did. He got hooked up already. Him and his wife are here. Uh, they're, they're my homies, and so I definitely appreciate them coming by. You heard Marcel Reese talking about what it means to be a Raider, and he was talking about your brothers, and he was talking about your families. And speaking of my brother, how about Joe in Texas? He's on the Raider Nation listening line. Joe, welcome to the show. What's on your mind, my man? What's going on, Q? How you doing, brother? Chilling, man. Chilling. Uh, uh, pissed off about last night. Uh, it's funny, man. Look, you know what? And then this one goes directly to Mark Davis and Mike Mayock because the thing that drives me crazy the most is let's look at the timeline after after the Ruggs incident. When the Ruggs incident first happened, mm-hmm. D-Jax was a free agent. There's no reason in the world we shouldn't have went into the damn uh, uh, giant game with D-Jax playing some type of quote-unquote plan for the Raiders already. Been already picked up. That should have happened already. Then we let's let's just go a week later, and the best wide receiver available, uh, o, o, OBJ, who's going to play tonight, was available, and and this kid can run every route in, in the route tree, including do exactly what you like to do in the West Coast offense, is get your wide receivers the ball early, and so they can quote unquote make a play. That's where Darren Waller's problem is. We run too much of a West Coast offense that's built to our guys catching a six seven yard play and then try to break a tackle and go deep. How many crossing routes do you see Waller run a game? And, and it's like seven-yard route, uh, seven yard crossing routes and hope that he break a damn tackle to turn it into a 40-yard play, opposed to using his speed, size, and, and uh, matchup uh, problems going up the field to make plays. Now, let me, let me get back to Mayock and uh, 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 Mark Davis. They need to get off their asses and understand one thing. Building a team the way Mike Mayock – arrogant ass want to do is not going to cut it. Because if you look at the last five picks that we've, we had, for instance, when, when both William tackles were available for, for the New York Jets as well as the New York Gi- uh, uh, Giants, this cat and the other kid, the young kid that was the third pick overall from Alabama, he didn't want to give up draft capital to get him. Then we had the 19th pick, which turned out to be Mika Fitzpatrick was available. Which you, when Mike, Mika Fitzpatrick was available, we turned around and used the 19th pick on a knucklehead that want to be a gangster. See, and then the two third-round picks that we cut, one that didn't even make it to the damn two training camp, and the other one that never played a damn down for us, now he played in Seattle. So all those picks that you had, that you literally right now could have two damn defensive tackles with the last name Williams on the back of their jersey, playing for the Raiders, and all pro safety to go along with, quote-unquote, uh, uh, the safety kid we got out of uh, uh, TCU. I bet yeah, we wouldn't even need to draft him because he was a better version of the kid from TCU. But he wants to build this team his way. And he wants to build this team in his image. And the whole killer thing is we waste too many damn draft picks on try-hard players. How long did Nate Peterman stay on this damn team and still have been on the team? How long do we? How many times are we going to draft a Jim Morrissey, whatever the hell that damn center name was from out, of, uh, uh, out of Pittsburgh, and hope that he turned into something? They got guys on the street right now that can play left and right, right tackle for us. We had not made one – I don't think we made one effort to go get sports out of retirement, or DeCastro off the damn uh, uh, dump, knowing that damn uh, Leatherwood and Worcestershire is having damn problems on the right side of the line. Don't tell me about the money, because if Mark Davis can build a goddamn battleship for a damn mansion for $14 million, he can turn a couple of damn uh, salaries into roster bonuses and get these guys their money up front. All right. So it comes, it comes down to it. We don't even have a capologist that understand the cap to be able to leverage money to take it and turn it into damn players. We always trying to build the wrong way, or build their way, and win their way. 
And then it all comes back on Derek Carr. Derek Carr is just like this kid, Matthew Stafford, who's about to play tonight. If you take Matthew Stafford and put him in Vegas, and you put Derek Carr on tonight's damn team, he'll be leading. He'll be have 23 touchdowns and a whole bunch of weapons to throw to. All right. But that- the fact that we won't do it, it, it it's terrible, man. And then fans like us got to suffer to it. All right. Appreciate the call, my man. Appreciate the passion. And I, to- I totally understand where you're coming from. There's a lot of question marks when it came to the draft. That's what we've been talking about throughout the course of the, I don't know, last few weeks where it's what was, you know, Gruden say? What was Mayock say? How do you build it? How do you not build it? I do think that there was, you know, draft picks that could have been a lot better than what the Raiders ended up getting. I, I, don't, I don't disagree with you at all. The, they had their philosophy, and I don't know whose it was to lead off with and, and whose was the, the, the bigger voice in the room. We all know that Gruden had the final say on everything, but you just really don't know. And that's why I'm trying to figure out if they're going to go ahead and give Mayock another opportunity or if they decide to go in a whole other direction. That's something that we won't know until the offseason. I mean, that's just one of those things. It's really too early to, to figure out exactly what they're going to do, but I do appreciate the passion. I understand the call 100%. I thank you for it, and uh, we'll wrap things up with Aaron also calling out the Lone Star State. Aaron, what's on your mind, my man? Never mind. Aaron dropped, but I can get to a call that I did get, and the caller just said, hey, Damon, you just say what I'm saying. So I wrote it down. Okay. I'll give the synopsis. This is Joe. He is a PSL holder, so he was pretty hot fired up. He said, hold people accountable. Enough woe is me. I don't want to hear it. Call them out. Hold them accountable. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. And, and I think that that was kind of something that uh, Favin even alluded to. It's like, hey, you know, at some point nobody cares. And you're right. You're right about that. And, and she was right about that. And we talked about that last week as well. I'm just, from my point of view, from what I'm seeing, and I'm not in the locker room, not trying to play uh, act like I am, I'm not uh, some insider where I talk to all these people and get all these anonymous sources. I'm not that guy either. From my point of view, just as a human and a guy that's at the games and I'm there uh, closer to, you know, what's going on, it just seems like they are carrying extra weight or extra baggage. They don't think about what's going on and what happened off the field. They don't think about that while they're in the game. They don't. That would be foolish for me to think that, and I don't think that. But I do think that throughout the course of – maybe the practice week and their film study that they start to get maybe a little disinterested at times. I mean, I, I think that maybe that happens to be human nature. I'm not going to make an excuse for them. Uh, like Faven said, nobody cares. You just got to go out there and handle your business, and they did not handle their business Sunday night in a game that could have gave them sole possession of first place. Just didn't do it. Blew an opportunity. Missed opportunities will always come back to bite you in your ass and have you feeling the way Joe in Texas was feeling. Simple as that. So we're at the Oyo. We're at the Underground Lounge. I'm going to hang out here, watch some funny, uh, Sunday, Monday night football. It's not Sunday. It's not fun day either. <laughs> it's, it's, it's none of those days. It's Monday, and we're going to watch Monday night football, Rams and the 49ers coming up next. So come hang out with us. we got a bunch of prizes for you. Damon, great job holding it down in the studio, and we'll figure out th- that picture of you, if that's really you or not, at some point. We'll put it out on Twitter and get uh, people's opinion but thank you for your efforts man you do a fantastic job as always uh we'll be live from the intermountain healthcare performance center tomorrow 2 to 4 p.m on rare nation radio 920